and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. It was called the Top 20 Television Neighbors. All right. So we're going to do a little game here. I'm going to put up some of the best neighbors that are listed in television and uh, you have to call them out, all right? So we'll see how good you are if you guys know your, your TV shows or not. So here's number 18. Do you guys know who this is? Feeney. Feeney. <laughs> That's good. Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. He's Corey's neighbor, all right? And then this next one wasn't actually listed in the top 20, but I thought, come on, if we're going to do Boy Meets Girl, we need to do Girl Meets World, right? Here's Maya. You guys remember her? All right. Anybody know Riley Matthews' neighbor? Is it just me and Becca? Is that it? Just, there's just the two of us. All right. So we'll move on. How about number 16? Do you know this one? Fred and Ethel Mertz. Right. From I Love Lucy. We'll jump into the top 10. So here's number eight. Wilson, wonderful neighbor, Wilson from Home Improvement. How about number five? This is an oldie but a goodie. Lenny and Squiggy. (laughs) The young ones are going, who is Lenny and Squiggy? You don't want to know. I'll just tell you that. Lenny and Squiggy. Now, this one's pretty popular. Number three. Penny. Penny from Big Bang Theory. Number two. Joey and Chandler from Friends. Now, before we put it up, any guess what the number one TV neighbor? Who is it? Kramer? Somebody said Kramer. Let's see. Yep. (laughs) Number one is Kramer from Seinfeld. Now, if you could pick any one of these individuals to be your neighbor, you know, who would you pick? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney is just kind of scary. Maya, she just crawls through the window. I don't know if you guys knew that, but she just crawls through the window. Fred and Ethel Mertz, I think they had a key to the apartment, so they just crawled in anytime they wanted to. Wilson, you just never saw his face, so you couldn't trust him. Lenny and Squiggy, no way. Um, and then Penny, the only way she opened the door is if you knocked on it and said her name, Penny, Penny, right? I mean, over and over again. Nobody watches Big Bang Theory. So, um, Joey and Chandler, maybe. They look a little scary there. Uh, And Kramer, just he never knocked. I don't know if you noticed that. He just slammed the door open. What if you were standing there, right? So I don't know that I'd want any of them to be my neighbor. But I was thinking when I was growing up, there was somebody who I would want to be my neighbor. And that is Mr. Rogers. That's right from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He was everyone's favorite neighbor. He was actually quite a remarkable man. Not only was he a TV personality, but he was a musician. We all know he was a puppeteer, writer, and producer, but he was also a Presbyterian minister. You probably didn't know that. He received several honors. He received 40 honorary degrees. A Peabody Award, he was also inducted into the Television Hall of Fame. George W. Bush awarded Rogers the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2002 
for his contributions to children's education, saying, Fred Rogers has proven that television can soothe the soul and nurture the spirit and teach the very young. Now catch this. A year later, the U.S. Senate unanimously passed Resolution 16 to commemorate the life of Fred Rogers. It read in part, Through his spirituality and placid nature, Mr. Rogers was able to reach out to our nation's children and encourage each of them to understand the important role they play in their communities and as part of their families. More importantly, he did not shy away from dealing with difficult issues of death and divorce, but rather encouraged children to express their emotions in a healthy, constructive manner, often providing a simple answer to life's hardships. And in a CNN interview, Roger said, I went into television because I hated it so. And I thought there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. I mean, that was his motivation to go into TV was to make a difference. Mr. Rogers was probably the kind of neighbor we all wished we had next door. Now, I wish that I was that kind of a neighbor as well, but I haven't always been that kind of a neighbor. Any, anybody out there? No, just, it's just me on this one. All right, well, let me tell you a story that's uh, been probably eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, we had a neighbor next door who had a dog. And uh, at the time, and, and right now, we don't have any pets. And so, you know, when you have a dog, how you love the dog. And we've had dogs before. And so you kind of put up with the dog, right? I mean... They bark, and you're just like, oh, it's okay, it's Fido, it's no problem. They shed, and there's hair everywhere, and it's, it's okay. It's just, we just sweep it up or push it over. Um, they do a lot of things like that. What's the other thing they do? They, they have these, like, doggy doo-doo bombs in your yard, right? That's what they do. No, they don't. They do, trust me. And so, again, we, we don't have a dog. So at that time, we we're like, we're just thankful. We don't have to, to deal with all of those things. So I was walking out in my yard and I stepped on, you know what? And I'm like, come on, we don't even have a dog. And our neighbor's dog decided that it didn't want to do his thing in, in their yard anymore. He wanted to do it kind of in our yard over here. And uh, so I'm like, we, we got to do something about this. And so I decided that the next time I catch the dog, because I know how to do it, you know, you got to catch him in the act, right? Then I'm going to scare them, all right? I'm going to scare them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, we were sitting around the dinner table, uh, me, the whole family, we're sitting there eating and we're looking out in the yard and I look over and I see this dog, all right? It made its way into it and it was getting down, it was squatting. I'm like, that's it. And so I got up, my family didn't know what I was doing. I ran out the sliding door. I grabbed a bat on my way, all right? And took off running. I wasn't gonna hit it, just so you know. Just gonna scare it. And so I'm running out there and I'm yelling at this dog, swinging a bat. And it just like, ah! And it just took off over to the neighbors and I was like, yes! It won't be doing that anytime soon. And so then I turned around and I looked over. My neighbor's whole family was just sitting <laughs> outside and they're just watching the crazy lunatic who lives next door. Oh, it was awful. And my, I just sheepishly went back into the house and I asked my daughter, Becca, I said, so what was the name of that dog? And she said, you mean the one you tried to kill? I mean, she still remembers that. 
Sydney was her name. Poor Sydney. So nobody wants to be the hated neighbor. Nobody wants to be the grumpy old neighbor. I think we all want to be the best kind of neighbor, right? Now, how do we do that? How do we become the best kind of neighbors, the kind that our, the neighbors would brag about, be excited about? Just, just hold that for a second. We're going to come back around to that. We're in a series this summer called Top Priorities, Putting First Things First. And it's a series around the two greatest commandments from Jesus. It said to love God and love our neighbor. And they're so important um, that we decided to incorporate those into our purpose statement. So we've been reading our purpose statement every week. It says, Lighthouse Vineyard Church exists to train and encourage people to love God, love people, and shine Jesus within the city of Elkhart and the surrounding county. So in short, we want everyone who attends Lighthouse Vineyard Church to love God, love people, and shine Jesus. So our series has been focusing so far on how to love God, but today we're going to transition to how to love people. And next week, actually, I'm going to encourage you to come back because Rose will be speaking on how to love the hurting. It's really going to be a good message. We were going over it uh, this week, and uh, you definitely want to come back for that. But today's message is going to be focused on how to love our neighbor, how to be a really great neighbor. And again, we're using the same key scripture. It's in Mark chapter 12, if you want to turn there. We'll also have it up on the screen. But Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's in Jerusalem. It's about a week before he is crucified on the cross. And then uh, he rises again a few days after that. But the, the teachers of the law have been just pummeling him with questions. And he's been answering them flawlessly. So this is Mark chapter 12, verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So today's message is titled, being neighborly, showing God's love to those around us. And if you would pray with me as I pray for our message. God, we recognize that this topic is really important to you. Scripture says that they will know we are Christians by our love. And uh, showing love to our neighbors, to those around us is so, so important. So God, I pray that you would open up our ears, open up our hearts, Open up our minds to see and hear what you want us to receive tonight. And Lord, I pray that you, you would help me to communicate your, your heart for this topic. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you two points. You can fill these in on your handout if you would like. We can be neighborly to our neighbors by, number one, expanding our definition. Expanding our definition. So in Mark 12, 31, he says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So I looked up the Greek word for neighbor. It's called plesion. And it means close by. It also means fellow, as in fellow man, fellow countryman, fellow Christian or fellow friend. It means to be near. It basically means 
anyone who is near to us, all right, anyone around us. It's not just the person who lives next door. It's anyone that we come into contact with. Jesus was actually asked to define what he meant by neighbor in Luke chapter 10. So I'm going to read this. It's a little bit long, but it gives you a good picture of what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Luke 10 verse 25 says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So this, this guy had been around Jesus. He had heard his teaching. He understood that those were the two greatest commandments. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. There's probably more behind that statement. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I think it's a question we all are kind of asking ourselves when we think about loving our neighbor. Well, who, who qualifies? So he answers, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So he avoids him. He actually just walks around him. So to a Levite, and a Levite is part of the, the priestly um, practice as well, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and Samaritans, by the way, were not friends of the Jews. They did not like each other at all. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus asked, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, in the story, Jesus was saying that the neighbor was the one who was kind, the one who had compassion. Because the Samaritans, they didn't live next to the Jews, so they weren't physical neighbors. They were, he was just passing by. He was from out of the area. But he was the one who showed compassion. So the definition of neighbor is more than the person who just lives next door. Now, we can start there. But really, it's everyone around us. It's everyone that we come into contact with. Jesus gave us a framework for this in the book of Acts. After the resurrection, he's speaking to his disciples and he's giving them kind of the last commandments, last marching orders. And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jerusalem was the city they were in. Judea and Samaria 
where the districts around them and the ends of the earth showed that there was no limits. So at Lighthouse, we've kind of defined our neighborhood, our target, and it's the city of Elkhart and Elkhart County. You heard that in our purpose statement. So for us, our neighborhood is gonna start with Concord Mall, all right? As you're driving in the parking lot, as you're coming, walking down the halls, as you're visiting the vendors. I mean, they're our neighborhood. And so we want to love our neighborhood. We wanna love the people represented here at the mall. And then our Jerusalem is really the city of Elkhart. All right, so we wanna focus on the city of Elkhart. We want to do good, to love people, to represent Jesus well in the city of Elkhart. And then as I thought of our Judea and Samaria, I thought of the two school districts that we are trying to, to reach out to. It's the um, Bago, Bago school system and the Concord school system. And so that's kind of our Judea and Samaria. And so we're gonna be doing outreaches and, and things like that in these areas. It's part of loving our neighbors, part of loving our neighborhood. And then the ends of the earth, for us, it really starts with Elkhart County. That's a pretty big area. But Elkhart County is part of our target. We wanna love Elkhart County. And then it even goes bigger than that, because I don't know about you, but I love loving people from around the world too. So we're gonna be doing missions work as well. Those of you that know me know that that's a big part of who I am. It's a big part of my wife, Rose. And so this is the first year in, I don't know how many years, 12 years maybe, that I haven't been on a mission trip. Well, trust me, we're gonna go on a mission trip next year, all right? So we're gonna love people from around the world too. We're gonna to go to the ends of the earth because they're our neighbors too. So how about you? Who is your neighbor? Who is God calling you to love? I'd say that it starts with the people you live with, okay? Your family, sometimes they're the hardest people to love. It starts there, or if you have a roommate, but it starts there. Then it's the people that live next door, in the house next door or the apartment down the hall. We need to love them as well. Then I would say it's, it's go to within walking distance. You know, that's kind of your neighborhood. If you can walk to their house, then that's probably your neighbor. Beyond that, it's the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people you go to church with, the people you see at the grocery store. It's even that person who's in line ahead of you at Starbucks and they can't decide what they, or, what they want to order, even though they've had 10 minutes to think about it. I'm sorry, did I get on a soapbox there? That was personal. That was a personal thing, sorry. We gotta love that person as well. It's anyone and everyone that we run into. They are our neighbor. Now that we have kind of that group figured out, we need to talk about how do we love them? That's point number two. We can be neighborly to our neighbors by shifting our focus. Shifting our focus. Mark chapter 12, it says, the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. 
Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said that. Because there isn't anyone that we love more than ourselves. I mean, really, there isn't. We, you know, whether you believe that or not, just look at the, the actions that you take. So if you're hungry, what do you do? You, you feed yourself, right? If you're thirsty, I mean, you'll drive way out of the way to get yourself that specialty drink that you want. Mine's a decaf caramel macchiato. That's my specialty. If, you, you know, when you get up in the morning, you brush your hair, you brush your teeth, hopefully you put on deodorant, all those things. You, you take care of yourself. That's what we do. We buy ourselves clothes. We make sure we get enough sleep. When we're tired, we go to sleep. Taking care of ourselves actually comes very, very naturally. It's a basic instinct. It's called self-preservation. You might remember this from life science, the protection of oneself from harm or death, especially regarded as a basic instinct in human beings and animals. And if you think about it, it's the only reason that we can have two cars driving towards each other at 60 miles an hour and missing each other by really sometimes less than a foot and nobody gets hurt. It happens all the time. And the reason is because we don't want to die. <laughs> so we pay attention when we're driving down the road. It's why it works. And we were born with this instinct. Everybody knows a little baby, when it's tired, it cries, right? And says, somebody take care of me. When it's hungry, it cries and says, somebody feed me. When it's thirsty, it cries and says, somebody give me something to drink, right? We were born very self-centered. It's all part of, I need to take care of myself. It's a natural instinct. But we need to shift our focus from taking care of ourselves to looking at others. Jesus' approach is definitely different. His approach is upside down. He says in Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus is saying we need to look out for others instead of ourselves. His teachings were revolutionary then and they are now. There's nothing been taught like it since. Where the world would say, hey, you need to take care of number one. Jesus would say, you need to take care of everyone. Where the world would say, you deserve it. Jesus would say, they deserve it. Where the world would say, stand up for yourself. Jesus would say, stand up for others. A summary of Jesus's teachings is simply, don't preserve your life. Preserve someone else's life instead. So Jesus was counterculture. So if we want to follow Jesus and be an example like he was, we need to shift our focus off of ourselves. We need to love others the same way that we love ourselves. Most of us know the golden rule in Luke chapter 6. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. So I thought about this. I thought, what are some practical ways that we can do this as a new church? To establish kind of a new culture in this church. 
So this is what I hope for. So I have some practical ways that we can love others. The first one is to be honest. Just be honest with each other. Isn't that what we want? I was at a, a wedding reception the other day, and there was a friend of mine talking to me, and he had a big piece of food in his teeth, you know? And you know what I did? Nothing. I didn't tell him. I didn't say anything because it was awkward and we're not really that close. And I just felt bad. And so off he went with his big black thing in his tooth. <laughs> and I never said anything. But what would I want? I would want someone to tell me. How many of you have ever gotten home from something like that? And you look in the mirror and you're like, I talked to 15 people and nobody said anything to me. So let's be honest. If someone is messing up, man, if they're making some major mistakes in their Christian walk or in parenting or in a friendship, guys, we need to tell them. We need to tell them in love, though. Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But what do we want to do? We want to see their fault and tell somebody else, right? I, what is that? Maybe that makes me feel better about myself if I can say, well, they're messing up and we can just talk about it. That's called gossip. What I would want if I'm messing up, and I'm, I'm throwing this out to you all right now. If I'm messing up somewhere major, please just tell me, okay? I'd rather know about it than go down some path of destruction. An example I had, I was, uh, Rose and I had led the, the young adult ministry at the other church that we were part of. And I remember one time after young adults, a uh, 24-year-old girl comes up to me. She's got tears in her eyes. And she tells me about something that I had done that hurt her. And I'll tell you, it was, it was unintentional. I understood why she got hurt. It was my fault. It was a miscommunication. But I had hurt her in the midst of that. And I, I tell you, it gave me a chance to apologize. Say, Man, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. I'll, I'll correct that. We'll, we'll change this thing. And, uh, and it went so much better. But you know what she could have done? She could have just took her ball and went home, right? She could have started this uprising and telling all these other young adults how insensitive I am, how much of a jerk I am, you know, all those kinds of things. But instead, she came to me right away. And it was hard for her to do that. But I'm so glad that she did. There's a saying out right now, it says, you do you and I'll do me. Anyone heard that? You guys heard that? It's, it means I'll do things, the things that make me happy, and I'll do them the way I want to do them, and I won't apologize or explain myself. It's the opposite of you do you, which is to say, I'm not judging you. You do whatever it is that makes you happy. That's not Christianity, guys, just so you know. We need to help each other. We all have blind spots, each and every one of us. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him 
who is the head, that is Christ. And I want our church body to become mature, but it's going to be when we speak the truth in love. Got to be in love. So that's the first way that we can love others. A second way, though, is to forgive them. Because when people are trying to speak the truth, guess what's going to happen? We're going to get offended, right? We're not going to do it perfectly. Each one of us probably has someone who's offended us in our lifetime before, right? The Bible says if we, it says if somebody hurts us, we're, our job is to forgive them, even if they don't deserve it. If people are going to try to be honest, we need to have a lot of grace. We need to be forgiving. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is something that Rose is going to touch on next week, so I encourage you to come back next week and hear more about that. But isn't that what we want? If we mess up, don't we want people to forgive us? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's our job to extend the same forgiveness that we want in return. And then number three, the practical ways to love others is to help them. Simple. If someone needs help, help. That's it. Who do we help? Everyone we come into contact with. The Samaritan helped the guy who was beaten and bruised and lying on the side of the road. Didn't know him, but he knew he needed help, and that's what he did. I was driving the other day um, out of my neighborhood, and I drove by two of our neighbors who had just moved in, Brandon and Nicole. And I remember going by, and I just glanced over there, and I saw them carrying in a, a kitchen table. And... I drove by and I go, oh, that looks big. I hope they get it in. You know, and I just kept driving, <laughs> went around the corner. And, you know, when God starts knocking pretty loud, you know, I had places to go. I was on a schedule. I needed, and God's like, hey, go back there. Oh. Pulled into the neighborhood. I'll be honest, I backed out hoping they already had it in, you know. So I drive back. <laughs> I drove back and uh, they had shifted positions Brandon was now inside and Nicole was on the outside and they hadn't, they, they couldn't get it in. I, I walked up there and said, hey, you guys need some help. And they're like, oh yes, please. This was the heaviest table I've ever picked up. It was made out of like two by 12s or something. It was so heavy, custom made. And there's, we had to pick it up, turn it sideways and get it through. And there was just, there was no way that, that they were gonna be able to do it by themselves. And so they were so grateful. I mean, it cost me like three minutes, guys. That's all it cost me. And now I have some friends in the neighborhood, Brandon and Nicole. But you can't wait for an invitation. Don't we do that sometimes? Hey, if you need help, let me know. <laughs> there was a time I was in our neighborhood and I had these fields across the street and I decided, I don't know why, to burn them down. Um, I don't know why. It was the hottest day of the year. The wind was blowing. It was so dry. 
Ron and Amanda, you guys remember. So they're our neighbors. And so I went out there. I'm like, I've done this before. I can just burn it. It won't get into the field. It's just the lots right here. And so I'm burning it. And it quickly got out of control. It was, it was a nightmare. And Ron and Amanda, our neighbors, had come running out. They didn't ask if they could help. They just jumped in. I'm like, ah, please. And even the neighbor, you know, with the dog, they helped me too. Can you believe it? They came out with a hose because it was in front of their house and they sprayed it. So grateful. But they didn't wait. They saw that I needed help. Guys, we have, we have a lot of pride in this country. Nobody wants help, you know? But if you see somebody in need, you come across them, help them out. If they drop something in the grocery store, don't just go by. I'm glad it's not me. Hope somebody helps you. You know, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm being honest. These are the thoughts that come to my mind. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that convicts us and says, hey, 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 go help. Because the Bible says they will know we are Christians by our love. Sometimes it's not easy to do that, but we can still be obedient to God and, our Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to love our neighbors, we need to shift our focus off of ourselves and onto the people around us. And I'm going to end with a video that I saw on Facebook this past week. It's called A Rare Ruby. Let me read this, and then we'll try to play it. We haven't done any videos in here yet, so hopefully it plays. Uh, it says, my diagnosis is called HABC. It's a form of leukodystrophy. It's a genetic neurodegenerative brain disease. Before my diagnosis, I met my Abby at church. I think her mom was writing this for her. She says, she was adopted by our preacher and his wife. I get to see her at least two times a week. Abby doesn't care that I can't walk or talk. All she wants is to take care of me. So check out this video. Sure, really. Oh my gosh, I love them so much. Abby, oh yeah, I mean, if she goes, be ready to get out of the way. And me too. Oh boy. <laughs> Ruby! Oh, she's going around the cone. Good job. What are you doing? She's looking for you, Abby. to go. Good job, Abby. <laughs> Alright, so who improvised with the bar? Invite Krista to come on up. She's going to lead us in a closing song. I love 
that video. Because Abby could be playing with all the other girls, you know? Like she's over there making somebody's day. All right, let's pray. Go ahead and stand up. So, Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us how to be better people. Not just better Christians, but how to be better people, God. I pray, God, that we would be different. That we would shine your light, God. That we would be an example of what it means to be God incarnate here on earth. God, I pray that they would know that we are Christians, not by our words, but by our love. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.